Hi, I'm KJ and welcome to my podcast, Not A Life Coach. This podcast is an account of just some of my experiences of answering a framework of questions to think through specific topics, to discover things about myself, to become aware of behaviours and perspectives that affect my life and to help me to understand how they do and do not serve me. Awareness, acceptance and action brings about change for a healthier, happier and more content life. In my experience, sharing of our own experiences is a powerful way to help others. Bear in mind, as I always say, this is just some of my experiences. I don't detail everything that comes up for me, and the way I interpret these questions may be different to the next person. So if you're following along and thinking over some of these questions and ideas, please remember these topics can be surprising and bring up all sorts of feelings. When this happens, we just need to take care of ourselves, whatever self-care looks like to you. The idea is to take what you like and leave the rest, and we'll see how this goes. This episode is on commitment. The best definition I found for commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc., or an agreement or pledge to do something in the future. In the past, I have certainly struggled to make a decision and stick to it. Last minute decisions in reaction to something or someone and not thinking clearly about what I was taking on led me to being overwhelmed, inconsistent and struggling to commit to things I'd promised or wanted to do. By not being clear and honest, or taking time to consider things carefully, or be realistic about my situation, led me to be inconsistent, leading to others being unable to rely on me. This left me feeling like a failure, and added to my belief I was not good enough. The first time I ever attended a meeting in the programme I'm in, I did not believe I would keep it up. I'll never forget the wonderful people I found there, who put no obligations on me, no expectations, just simply advise me to keep coming back and I'm so glad I took their advice and I did keep going. I have experienced wonderful changes in my life since. Through regular attendance at meetings and being committed to this programme, it has literally saved my life. The first section is prioritising my commitments. And the first question is, How does my schedule include quiet time, time for meetings, family and other things? There certainly was a time when I made no time for myself. I had no idea what that was. My life was about constantly doing things for others and getting involved in everyone and anyone else's business, whether they wanted that or not. I constantly busied myself, unable to be alone with my own thoughts. Quiet times seemed like a punishment. I grew up in a large family where quiet time was not a thing. There were also times when I thought doing nothing or having downtime or quiet time was being lazy and I needed to constantly be doing something. Nowadays, things are very different and it felt good to answer this and appreciate the time I make sure I have for myself now. Obviously, I'm a parent, so quiet time is at a premium but I do ensure I get quiet time when I can, whether it is when they're in bed or not booking up and overloading any time I have without them. 
to those few precious moments first thing in the morning. In the past year, I've changed my routine and started having breakfast in bed, taking time to wake up slowly and have a few moments to enjoy the start of the day. This has made a wonderful difference from the times I just wanted those extra minutes of sleep, then had to get up and rush and get us all ready and out of the house. I make time for meetings. I do my best to attend regularly and to not miss too many. In fact, I find such relief by going. I never come away from a meeting wishing I hadn't gone. Actually, quite the opposite. I find if I miss a few, my life starts to become unmanageable and stinking thinking can creep in. I also make time for my family, from time with my children, regular activities that we share, to keeping in contact with my family and ensuring regular visits as much as I can. The more I work on this programme, the more I've learnt that I need to have serenity to be present with my children, family and friends. I realised here I'm definitely not perfect, but I'm becoming pretty good at prioritising my most important commitments. The next question is, how do I determine what I can fit into my schedule? So this was definitely an issue in the past. I can be very unrealistic about what I can achieve. I always make the mistake of thinking I have more free time than I do and make promises to others that I can't keep. I have definitely learnt the hard way, but I'm now much more realistic. I'm getting much better at not overloading myself. Again, one of my favourite slogans comes to mind, progress, not perfection. The next question is, what portion of my time am I devoting to working on myself? Nowadays, much more, and I get better and better at this the more I do it. Thinking through this question really made me realise and be proud of my progress. By attending weekly meetings, this ensures I study my programme at least once a week. It's a reminder of how beneficial this programme is and makes me grateful for the positive changes it's brought to my life. It means I do the work regularly, which starts with the readings. I still don't do this daily as suggested, but again, progress not perfection. I started working the steps four years ago, and I've been working this particular step for over three years now. When I first started, I was adamant I could do it alone without a sponsor, but I was inconsistent and only picked it up when my life became a mess. Weekly meetings keep it relevant and consistent and reminds me how much better I feel when I do this work. And if I'm ever unable to make a meeting, I use that time to work through the steps, do the readings. Now I have a sponsor and I'm so grateful for her time, support and guidance that it makes me want to be consistent. We have regular weekly phone calls or meet in person to go through this and every week I get better at keeping that commitment. In fact, writing this podcast has helped motivate me to keep moving forward and working through it. The more I do, the better I feel and the more I'm motivated to do more. There are things I'd like to do more of and more consistently, like meditating and things like that. But I realised I'm starting to do these things more and more. The next question is, what are the specific commitments I have in my life today? Well, I have my kids, my family, my job, volunteering work that I do when I can. I've got a house to run, animals and kids to feed. 
I made a list and thought back to a time when I had a never-ending list and it made me pleased to see that my list today is actually pretty manageable. The second section is being reliable and the first question is how do I follow through on commitments I make? Well I try my best to do what I say I will. I achieve this well at work. I also make an effort to keep my promises especially to my kids and my work colleagues. I think I'm pretty good at following through on my commitments. Again maybe this stems from wanting to be a perfectionist and not wanting to let people down or a fear of not being perfect. But I'm much more aware of this nowadays and this helps to keep commitments I make more realistic and therefore manageable. The next question is If I have to break a commitment, how do I do it? Now, this one got me thinking. Usually, if I break a commitment I've made, it makes me feel awful and I'll bury my head in the sand. I will procrastinate so much, especially if it's a difficult or unclear decision. And many of the examples that I thought of, it's fear behind a lot of it. But when I bury my head in the sand, I end up ignoring people and not dealing directly with the situation, which can end up hurting people's feelings as it makes them feel like they're not important to me. I did think of some examples where I'd given an explanation in good time. I've been honest and apologised. These were examples where I'd dealt with things well and then I didn't end up feeling guilty afterwards. And this gives a good example of how I want to deal with breaking commitments in the future. When I talked this one through with my sponsor, she suggested the guilt I end up feeling could, again, stem from wanting to be a perfectionist, not wanting to let people down. But it is okay to break some commitments, particularly if I've taken on too much. It's important to look after ourselves, as we have to be okay before we can give service to others. The next question asked, what are some of the examples of how I keep or don't keep my word? I thought through several examples for this. Promises to do things for people, then not seeing it through. Other things such as cancelling plans with friends, promising to call or visit people and not doing so. Many of my examples were definitely around me being unrealistic about my time and what I could fit in. It also made me realise that many of the times I've cancelled plans is when I'm feeling down. Then I'll feel bad or guilty about it and then isolate myself even further by not wanting to make other plans or contacting people just in case I don't keep my word again. Taking care of myself is a good thing and if I need time alone, that's healthy, but isolating myself is not. I'd never really thought about this before, so this was enlightening for me. The next question is, In what ways does my family count on me to follow through with what I say I will do? I came up with quite a few things for this list. Things like my family count on me to visit regularly and keep in touch to facilitate relationships. My kids count on me to pay the bills, provide food and stability. This question even made me think about following through on consequences for my kids. They may not like this, but discipline is definitely something I need to keep on top of and do as I say to create healthy boundaries and hopefully well-rounded humans. People rely on me to follow through so they can trust me and that is definitely important to me. The last question for this section is how reliable and prompt am I? 
This really got me thinking. I'm often reliable and prompt, but it does come in waves. I think it depends on what I think is important. So for example, at work, I'm definitely prompt and reliable, as this is important. If I lost my job, I couldn't pay my bills, so a lot is riding on this. But when it comes to plans with friends, I can really let my promptness slip. I think I feel I work so hard to be reliable and prompt at work that in my downtime I can push the boundaries more and not have to work up all the anxiety it takes to ensure I'm always on time and reliable. But this can really upset friends and family. When I discuss this question with my sponsor, I realise that by doing this, I'm sending a message that my friends and family are not important to me, so no wonder they get upset. It's definitely highlights I need to work on some balance here and shift my perspective. My sponsor reminded me of the slogan, the three A's, awareness, acceptance and action, which of course is the main point of this whole thing. The third section is my commitments to others. And the first question is, what circumstances and or persons did I consider in the most recent important decisions in my life? I thought through some of the most recent and important decisions. My list was mainly based around my children, family, loved ones, work and my programme. It highlighted that I am considerate of people in my decisions and this really helps if I use honest and open communication. The next question is, how is my attendance at work or school? Well, this is an easy one to answer. My attendance is very good. I very rarely take a sick day. In fact, the more I thought about this, the more I realised that maybe my attendance is too good sometimes, as I rarely allow myself time to be sick and carry on regardless. Then again, I have had good practice at this being a parent. The final section is my commitment to my recovery. And the first question is, what is my commitment to attending my program's meetings? I'll never forget the first meeting I attended. I did not think it was for me, and I was certain I wouldn't keep it up. I hated the mention of God, and thought at first it was a religious program. But I was desperate for something that would help, so I took the advice of attending six meetings before deciding whether it was for me or not. And thank God I did, literally. It's been over four years now and I'm still regularly attending. The only difference is nowadays I attend not just for what I need but what I can offer. When life is going well I can be tempted not to attend but I realise by attending when I am doing well lets others see that there is help and hope and this programme works. I can give back by sharing my experiences and being there so a meeting can run and exist. This is one of the most wonderful things about this programme. We don't get better and stop. We get better and continue as a reminder to not let us slip back into old behaviour and let life become unmanageable again, but also to ensure the meeting stays alive and healthy so it helps newcomers too. I realise this programme taught me to make a choice and commit to it, and my choice is to me. I see now that being happy is a commitment Obviously, I can't be happy all of the time, but happiness is an inside job. If I commit to the decision to be healthy and well, this commitment definitely takes work. 
In particular for me, if I slip back into feeling like a victim, then happiness quickly slips away. But if I commit to keeping my side of the street clean, I can be proud of my behaviour and have the right perspective to get through life's punches. The next question really got me thinking. It's, when the time comes, what will most likely be my reason for being or not being available as a sponsor to those who ask? This was a scary one to think over. I haven't given this that much thought before, but I have previously been asked by two newcomers if I was available to sponsor them. This was quite some time ago and I hadn't been in the programme very long and my instant reaction was, no way, I can't do that. It's a terrifying prospect to me to make such a huge commitment to be there for someone that I don't know very well, regularly and in times of need or emergency. I'd only just begun the steps and I had no idea if I was doing it properly. So how could I help others through? My biggest fear was that I'd not be able to resist giving advice. And I know one of the most helpful things of this programme is that we do not advise None of us are experts and none of us know what is best for anyone. All we can do is share and allow people to take what they like and leave the rest. When I talked this over with my sponsor, I realised again it's also fear. She shared her experience of becoming a sponsor and it was great to hear her story of how she knew when she was ready and able to do this. It made me realise my reluctance when previously asked was the correct decision. To sponsor someone effectively, it's essential to have time in this programme, to absorb all the different aspects of it and work in the steps, as well as having a sponsor of my own for help and advice to keep me on track and ensure I am helping someone else as much as mine has helped me, without complicating things with my own expectations. The final question is, What am I willing to commit to in my programme in order to give back to others what I can? Firstly, I'm definitely willing to commit and practice the programme, to do more than just attend an occasional meeting, but to practice what I'm learning, which is best done by being around others who understand and live this programme. I give back by my service roles. That can be anything from putting out chairs at a meeting, to being group rep, which I was for three years, to now my role at the district level. I initially committed to take the roles on, despite being terrified, but the benefits I've received from this far outweigh any commitment that I've given. These roles have boosted my confidence and self-esteem and even helped me massively in my career. I've learned again and again that when I commit to this programme, I receive many more positives than I'd ever imagined. By keeping it simple, I've learned that service to others is often a major part of one's own feelings of happiness. The final section, as usual, is my findings. By answering these questions on the subject of commitments, what have I learned about myself? I think I've learned that I'm not that bad when it comes to commitments. I can certainly see my progress when answering these questions and that allowed me to feel good about myself. It's highlighted my commitment to my programme and therefore to myself and that's a big difference from how I was even a couple of years ago. It's highlighted I do need to be more consistent and maintain a healthy balance 
But by committing to myself and others, I can achieve this, especially if I keep it simple and have empathy and compassion for myself and take time to understand how I'm feeling, maintain open and honest conversations with people. This allows people to understand when I'm struggling and not to take my lack of contact or cancelling plans personally. Overall, this topic made me feel good about my progress and my ability to commit to the things I say I will do. The defects of character I felt I've had when I've let people down can be overcome and turned into assets as I'm taking time to take care of myself. As long as I am clear, open and honest about this, I need not feel guilty and I can be much more realistic. Thank you for listening and I hope this was useful for you. I must also credit the music by Les FM from Ukraine and my amazing team who have helped me to create this. If you found this podcast useful, please like and subscribe and join me in the next episode.